This episode was brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Greg Bench, Trey Whetstone, Amy Swan, Gilman, Joel Robertson, and ooh, Blake from Midweek Matinee. Thank you all. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Son, a.k.a. The Angel of Death. Just <laughs> just kidding. Nobody calls me that. We are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss, and we are wrapping up our Halloween season franchise review of Scream with Scream 4 from 2011. What's your favorite scary movie? Here is my Woodsboro Massacre anniversary question. What is your favorite scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie? One generation's tragedy is the next one's joke. What is your favorite scary movie, man? I'll show you. This week marks the anniversary of the infamous Woodsboro murders. Local celebrity victim, Sydney Prescott, chose to return to her hometown. Welcome home, Sydney. Watch the preview of coming events. What do you want? Who is this? He's trying to do Ghostface. I'm standing in the closet. Dewey! What's going on? It's not public information. It's all over the internet. It is? There's a killer out there patterning his murders after the original movie. It's time for someone new to die. The unexpected is the new cliche, and virgins can die now. Does that mean that I'm not gonna live as long as these two? Clearly. Be the new version. The killer should be filming the murders. Dale! Dale behind you! Go ahead if you have the guts. Not to implicate him. He can't kill Sydney. She's victim royalty. Not true. Sid's expendable. Point taken. Guaranteed third act main cast bloodbath. Fingers crossed on some nudity for a change. Time for your last question. Name the remake of the groundbreaking. Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, Black Christmas, House of Wax, Pop Night, Black Bloody Valentine. It's one of those, right? None of the above. I'll be right back. I know this one, you're not supposed to say that, are you? You should have seen the look on your face. And so in order to wrap this series up, we called in a heavy hitter. We are joined once again by Amy Swan. Amy, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Absolutely fantastic, considering that we're living in this dumpster fire of a year. Um, I know that the clocks changed this weekend, and that the most popular meme out there is we don't need another hour of 2020. Um, but <laughs> anyway, Scream 4, the IMDb synopsis reads, 10 years have passed and Sydney Prescott, who has put herself back together, thanks in part to her writing, is visited by the ghost face killer. Well, at least it sounds like somebody watched the movie, doesn't it, Jackson? I mean, that's close. Um, I mean, I mean, that's as good as you're going to get realistically. Without giving spoilers, yeah. So, 
Amy, when did you first see Scream 4? I saw it in the theater. I saw it. I, I was one of the people that saw. I missed out on the first Scream and then saw it on video. Then from then on out, it had to be their opening day, you know, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, even with... I heard you guys with Scream 3. Even with the disaster of Scream 3, I was there for Scream 4. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. So I was too. So I hear you. I was actually there. Yeah, I was there Scream, the original on opening weekend. But Jackson, what about you? When did you first see Scream 4? Just with, just like with the last few movies, this is my first time seeing it all the way through. Uh, again, I, I knew generally where the story went because I was so just... Scream is just so omnipresent in the horror community. You can't escape it. You've heard about Scream 4. You kind of know what happens if you're in the community. Um, but there were a few surprises for me watching this uh, all the way through in one sitting. So, uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about this movie. And I just want to say really quick that you were our first guest who ever like agreed to be on the series, Amy, when we hadn't even recorded the first one, and you wanted to do to record four. And I was like, why does she want to do yeah. four? And now I totally get it because not enough people talk about this, but they, and they may, but they don't talk about the right things. And I'm interested to see what you have to say, but really quick, episode 47 we did, the Gateway Horror episode with your son. That is still one of my favorite episodes ever. Yeah, absolutely. Thank so, so often I feel so alienated because I'm a kid, you know, and I got these grownups all around me talking horror. So it was so nice to have. And again, I get, bet it's also awesome for my dad because to have another parent on talking. So it's just, it's oh, awesome yeah. to have you back on. Absolutely. Well, I, you got me like smiling from ear to ear. I really appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> it means a absolutely. Lot. absolutely. That was, that, that was great to get to talk about poltergeist and, and Monster House, and oh man, that was fantastic. So I saw Scream 4. I was, uh, before we started recording, I mentioned that I used to travel for a job. I was up and down the East Coast every week. Jackson, you remember that. I was gone almost all the time, um, except on weekends when we'd have Daddy Day every Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I was just, I was traveling all the time. And I was in the Philadelphia area before I knew who Dr. Shock was. Uh, but I was in his area, so he and I may have been in the same theater when I saw this on opening night, April 15th, 2011. And so I'm, I'm with you, Amy. I, you know, from the very first scream, I was hooked. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm every time a new scream. I was like, yeah, I'm there. Um, so let's talk about the plot and the screenplay. The big thing here is Kevin Williamson, who wrote the original and Scream 2, uh, was largely, you know, AWOL from Scream 3. Uh, he had, he was doing Dawson's Creek. He, he just wasn't available. He gave them his treatment, which the guy they brought in to re do rewrites largely ignored. Uh, but he returned for this, although Bob Weinstein, doing what he does, um, the scumbag that he was, did tinker with the script. So we have Sydney returning to Woodsboro to promote her book, uh, Dewey is now sheriff and married to Gail, who is now out of, quote unquote, journalism. Um, the killings start again, stranding Sydney in a town while they investigate. And, you know, she is living with her aunt and cousin, Emma Roberts, who is a high school student. So, Amy, what did you think of the plot of this one? 
overall, I I really thought it was. Um, personally i thought it was a return to form i thought that the quippiness was back i thought there was a a few characters i that we'll get into that i really felt were shoved in just Mm -hmm. because they wanted extra red herrings and i get it but i think that it could have been a more streamlined uh even better plot if they had not shoved those extra things in but Mm -hmm. overall it just it did give me the 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 feels of the original and the second one. I really felt like that it was, I, I, I personally didn't see the twist coming. I was, mm-hmm. I really genuinely like the, the back and forth between the originals and the new people. I thought that it was uh, quite well paced for the most yeah. part. Yeah. You can tell Kevin Williamson is back with the dialogue because the dialogue, yeah, I think, yeah. You know, and I, I like Scream 3. It's my, you know, it's not my favorite, but I like Scream 3. But I, I, you can definitely tell that Kevin Williamson is not writing the dialogue in Scream 3. Where here he is, and I do think it makes uh, a huge difference that he was back, even though, and we'll talk about this in a minute, they tinkered with his screenplay a lot. When Wes Craven tinkers with his screenplay, I think it works. Uh, when Bob Weinstein tinkers with his screenplay i don't think it works but anyway um jackson your thoughts on the plot oh go ahead he said if a weinstein tinkers with anything it's not good no yeah (laughs) no because we got you know i was so looking forward to cursed you know i mean it's like oh wes craven kevin williamson werewolf movie I am in. I'm a big Christina Ricci fan. This is going to be fantastic. And I go and see it. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and then immediately I go online. It's like, yep, Bob, Bob and Harvey Weinstein. It's like, yeah. Well, even when I was in Hollywood, they called him Harvey Scissorhands, you know, because they yeah. he just yeah. messed with everything. And, ah, uh, good Lord. But anyway, Jackson, what did you think of the plot? While I do agree that it does feel more like classic Scream than, than Scream 3, and for good reason, uh, I, I thought that the, the plot was a little much. There's, there's, too, there's too much, I feel like. This is, this is a movie of excess. Oh. There's so many characters, so many red herrings. I don't know. It, it, felt, it felt a little convoluted at times, especially with the new cast. Uh, I loved seeing the original cast return. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, I was very happy to see that Dewey and Gail were still together. Um, I thought that was fun. Uh, Sydney still feels like Sydney. But then you have the the Hall Pass uh, crew, the Cinema Club, and they're live streaming everything. You've got the obvious Randy ripoff and, and the guy who's got the camera on his head. Um, I don't know. Well, I, we'll talk about that. I think they actually kind of combine characters to kind of you know, uh, make up for Randy. And you and I talked about this with Haddonfield Hatchet. We both agree that maybe Gail should have died instead of Randy. But, yeah. um, you know, look. Percent. I'm with you guys. I think that Gail should have died a while back. And that's not, I mean, and Scream 2, I think it should have been switched parts personally. Because uh, Randy was the audience. Randy was our voice. And I, Gail was yes. really nobody's voice. And, and I, I really, truly think that that hurt the franchise as a whole, that they made the wrong decision killing off the wrong people. Oh, I agree. And, you know, one of the saving graces of Scream 3 for me, which we talked about with Haddonfield Hatchet, was 
I, you know, I love that they brought him back in a videotape. And even though it, it, it may have felt a bit contrived, I love that line that he had in Scream 3, which is, for some of you, I'll see you soon. You know, that sent chills up my spine. And, but yeah, I miss, I miss Randy. Um, but, you know, initially when I saw it, I didn't care for it. But it's grown on me. I haven't seen it in until this week for nine years because I left the theater kind of thinking, okay, I like this part. I like that part. But I'm not sure I really care for the new characters. Da, 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 da. I thought, ah, it's just meh. And we'll talk about the reveal in a minute. But I do think in retrospect, it really captures the moment. And I was watching today on the bonus features of the Blu-ray Nev Campbell being interviewed and her talking about how every scream has kind of captured the cultural kind of zeitgeist at the time. And at that time, and, you know, in 2010, 2011, you had the whole becoming a celebrity, though you've done nothing. You know, it was, yeah. You, you know, you just have a reality show and you've got Twitter popping up and, and, and so forth. And so I thought it captured that really well. And it's actually grown on me. I, I go ahead and put that out there. I I really yesterday I watched it um, on Hulu. Today I watched it on Blu-ray with the um, audio commentary by Wes Craven and Emma Roberts and Hayden Panettiere and Nev Campbell. And it's it's kind of grown on me. So um, let's start at the beginning. Scream is kind of known for its iconic openings. I don't think anything can beat the Drew Barrymore, you know, opening in in Scream 1. I think that's a brilliant kind of when a stranger, you know, calls kind of throwback. I thought Kevin Williamson did a brilliant job with that. But this one has the triple opening. So how do you think it compares? How do you uh, like the opening? Amy, what do you think? Well, th- this definitely is a dividing line for a lot of people. Just, mm-hmm. I've heard people absolutely love this opening or they can't stand it. It really, I, I, I liked it. I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I actually liked the little trickery of it and, and keep skitting you and keep skitting you. And you're we're sitting there waiting, anticipating when it is, is it going to be the genuine open? I, and I I thought that also the combination of the girls that he had at the openings were were well cast. <laughs> yeah. I thought they did a good. I mean, especially you know, obvi- you know, obviously Kristen Bell and, and Anna Paquin are are big names for a reason, and I thought that they right. were they were funny and cute, and the whole you didn't see that coming, and I thought that was hilarious, and and I like personally. I think, again, I put the second to the Drew Barrymore opening. It does set a, of like, we're going to mess with you more in the, in Scream 4 than we are the last two, I mm-hmm. believe. And I, I think that, that that goes with the opening. It sets the tone. Absolutely. I agree. Jackson, what are your thoughts? I liked it to a certain extent. Uh I kind of wish that the Kristen, I kind of wish that the Kristen Bell one was the actual reality. You know what I mean? I wish that wasn't the movie. I wish those were our characters that we start with. Because oh, the characters no. that we get, 
I feel like the characters that we get after that are less interesting than Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin and and getting a knife in the stomach. That's way more fun of an opening than I think than than the the triple. I like that, but I think that they should have reordered them. You know what I mean? Where the Kristen Bell one was the was the final one to the opening. If that makes any sense, I don't know. I see that? No, I I could see that, but uh, you know, I I don't know. They weren't that as huge as they are now, so I don't know. You know, Wes Craven just thought maybe the other two were going to be bigger names or you know, who knows what he was thinking at the time, mm-hmm. putting it in where he did, because it really it was a toss up. I mean, even, you know, Lucy Hale is in the, the first girl and yep. she's kind of growing to get a name now, too. So it's kind of just throwing, you know, spaghetti at the wall. Who's going to be a, a big name? Right. And it, 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 to me, what I loved uh, about the triple opening is with what really took me by surprise, and this is one of the things I thought when I was walking out into the parking lot after seeing Scream Force, like, you know, I really did like that opening. And and one of the reasons I really liked that opening was, you know, you're expecting Ghostface. You're not expecting Kristen Bell to turn around and stab <laughs> Anna Pack one in the stomach and be like, You talk too much. You know, that I thought that was fantastic. And that that took me totally by surprise. Exactly. That's you why know, I think that should have been the actual opening. You know what I mean? Well, but then where do you go from that when Ghostface is the killer? Ghostface is going to show up. How do you go from there? Right. Maybe she puts on the ghost face mask. I don't know. I just, my point but is, then it gives that away it, the whole thing. Then, it, you know, so you have yeah. to have those triple fakes. Plus, oh, oh, I've got, oh, a, and this is totally hypothetical. This is fan fiction at this point. But uh, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of wish that she had stabbed her and then Ghostface had come out from behind the couch and then stabbed. I don't know. My point being, I, I thought that Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin were more entertaining than the, than the two oh, other movies we get. They were, but I think that was the point to set it up. No, yeah. no, now this is now Scream Four, and so I liked that a lot. That Wes Craven didn't go with a ghost face; that it was a complete fake out. And then they joke about the fact that that was like Stab Seven or whatever, and had time travel in it, which was a jab at Wes Craven because Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven were close until Wes's death. And Wes Craven had mentioned to Kevin Williamson that his idea for Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which Bob Shea didn't run with, was a time travel thing. So he stuck that in as a little kind of jab at his buddy, Wes Craven, that this is just bonkers. This is, you know, this has nothing to do with, because his idea for Nightmare on Elm Street 4 had hardly anything to do with Freddy. Which, of course, Bob Shea was like, yeah, we're not doing that. And so and and Kevin thought that was funny. And so that's why he he put that in. I think it works. I, I thought it was great. And that's even when I was so so on the film, even though I've gone up on it since. I thought that was fantastic. I really loved it. And Amy, you're right. Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell were not Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they hadn't, again, they hadn't become like, superstars at that point. No, and and again, like I said, even Lucy Hale is kind of going up. It, it it's one of those things. that's like, I don't know who's you know, I don't know who's these these girls. I like them all, so I'm just gonna put them in order. Whoever's gonna be cast this way. So, but I didn't even think, like you said, it, the ghost face thing. You you, I agree with your dad, Jackson. Is that he's got to you've got to have it the way that they they set it up. Right. Because you, you're going to give away go- as funny as it was with Kristen Bell. That's exactly why they had it in there and they still faked you out. 
Sure, I get I get that, but I get that now. What I'm saying is that I guess I wish that Kristen Bell had been cast in the final segment of the opening, like the the triple, like the end of the thing, rather than the second one. I I don't know. Hey, they should cast her in Scream Five. Okay, yeah, let's let's get that. Yeah, let's have Stab twenty twenty nine or something with Kristen. Well, Bell we've it. had eight Sauls, so I mean, you know. Um, and I wouldn't doubt that we're going to get another Victor Crowley at some point, but anyway, um, so going beyond the opening and I always, I always forget this and I get criticized, uh, by horror fans for this. So I've got to bring this up. Favorite kills in the movie. So I'll go first, give you a second to think about it. What are your favorite kills? Here is mine. So. Anthony Anderson plays Deputy Perkins, who gets the knife in the forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, that was all Wes Craven. Um, that was not in the script. He had seen a documentary about a guy. And Wes Craven, by the way, and God, I miss the man. You know, he's been gone for five years, um, RIP. But Wes Craven, reading so much about him, Here's this guy who has a master's degree in English literature from John Hopkins, uh, which is like, you know, it's on par with Ivy League, you know, and he was an English literature professor. And but Wes Craven loved to read about booby traps, which you can see in his movies. And he loved to read these like obscure, weird things that happen in hospitals and so forth. That's how he came up with Nightmare on Elm Street. He's reading about refugees who are dying from heart attacks in their sleep. And so he comes up with Nightmare on Elm Street. He, he sees this documentary about a guy who got stabbed in the forehead and walked into an ER. And so he's like, oh, I got to put that in a movie. <laughs> and so... He just inserts that into Scream 4. You know, you got Anthony Anderson, who's beloved, and he's just stumbling around with that wound in his forehead. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. Jackson not? No? Oh, I agree. That was a great kill. That's my second favorite, I would say. If I were to pick a favorite, I think it would probably be Olivia. Because of the aftermath, what we see when she's on the bed oh, and she's got the guts on the bed. Gosh. I was not expecting to see that level of gore in a scream movie because usually it's just, you know, blood from stabbings. But there were there were intestines, genuine intestines in a scream movie. So that's pretty gnarly. With blood sprayed all over that room. I yeah, mean, which reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street with Johnny Depp's death. I don't know. Okay. Maybe that's just me. But the blood on the walls, that seemed like a it, it seemed like a callback maybe to that. Absolutely. So, Amy, do you have a favorite kill on this one? Um, yeah, I'd have to say Olivia, too. That one was unexpectedly brutal. And I, from what I do understand, I, Jackson, I think you, you, you're right. I, I, if I have read it or heard it somewhere, I believe that that was supposed to be a callback to the Johnny Depp mm-hmm. uh, kill from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and he, in, in the commentary, which I'm sure that... Uh, We'll talk about, he talks about um, when he walked into the room that he was actually taken aback at how much blood was in the room. Oh, wow. After that. Yeah. Um, he, so, but he was like, yeah, well, let's do it. You know, because he, like, with the whole thing of the sequels, upping the violence, upping your game, having, you know, that that whole 
uh, I'm in the closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I wasn't expecting that the the first time I saw it, and and then just viscerated her. Now I I do like um, the cop death too, and I did know that that was for the guy. Actually, the guy in the real life went into the emergency room and was talking to the doctor yes. about being stabbed in the head. Uh, so that actually happened. So that, but it was so sad and and funny. And you know that whole crossing the line. I thought it was perfect where he's grabbing and trying to reach out to get Ghostface, and Ghostface is just standing there watching him flail. And I, I thought that was heartbreaking. But I still like I, I, just the shock of the kill of the girlfriend in the closet. Uh, you said Olivia um, was. Yeah was such a shock and so brutal that I was just, I was, I was like, Woof, that's a, that's a good kill. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the, the other one that stood out to me was when, what's her name? Um, I can't remember her name, but she's been on glow and mad men. She's a Allison actress. Bree, Allison Bree. Allison Bree. Yeah. When yeah. they kill her in the parking garage, which of course Wes Craven said on the commentary, as soon as she steps in that dark parking garage, everyone's like, oh, she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. But the fact that he throws her body onto the media truck during the press conference is like, oh, my gosh, that was I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That I was saying Ghostface ghost ain't playing. No, <laughs> exactly. And, and part of the thing that drew Wes Craven back to this and Kevin Williamson when the Weinstein said, we want to make a Scream 4, and Kevin Williamson was originally like, no, it was planned as a trilogy. Wes Craven was like, yep, no, it was planned as a trilogy. But then somebody at Dimension said, well, what you can play with is there are all these horror remakes and reboots that are trying to be more brutal. And, of course, you have Kirby, you know, listing off all of the remakes at that one time on the phone with Ghostface. The Hills Have Eyes, uh, April Fool's Day, uh, Prom Night, um, Sorority Row, you know, and that that's what they were spoofing. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I I genuinely think that for a fourth movie in a franchise, it is just brilliantly done I, I there's not a bad screen movie i mean really if you genuinely look at the whole uh, totality of it it really genuinely i can't complain about any of them are some of them weaker than others yeah i i think that but the fourth one again you know other than forcing some things in that could have been streamlined a little bit for a fourth movie this is amazing that it's so yeah. strong yeah i I agree with that. I and a week ago I would have disagreed with you, but rewatching it twice this week, um, I'm I'm now in agreement with you. So, couple things just to note uh, before we move on to some of the other plot elements. Did you guys know that most of the knives were CGI'd? Yes, I did know that. Which Jackson, is did you? Yeah, it's it is crazy because they look realistic. Jackson, did you know that? I didn't notice that. Um, I did notice that it was weird that they didn't have handles. I don't know. It looked like they're all kind of one metal body. Um, hmm. Looking back on it, maybe I should have noticed that, but they did a pretty good job. I guess if you, if you don't know that, you don't know to look for it. But um, yeah, yeah that, that's a surprise. 
they did use retractable knives. Um, Emma Roberts comments that when she stabs a couple of people, spoiler alert, we are a spoiler podcast, uh, that when she stabbed a couple of people, it was a retractable knife, but it still left bruises. So she had to be real careful about where to stab, but that they did use CGI uh, knives a couple of times. Also, speaking of my favorite kill, when Anthony Anderson is killed, did you catch his name? Did anybody catch his name? Perkins. And his first name, <laughs> they show? Was it Anthony? It was Anthony Perkins, yes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> of course oh, it was. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that was Kevin Williamson. Um, so other plot points, we've got to talk about the reveal. Um, because that's also the beginning and the ending of screen movies are a big deal. It's the beginning, the ending and the kills, the reveal. We have two killers again, which we didn't have in scream three. All right. Scream three is a standalone and you don't have two killers. And so the reveal is that it's Sydney's cousin, Jill played by Emma Roberts, who wants her fame. And one of the film nerds, Charlie Walker played by Rory Culkin, all right, Amy, you already alluded to this. You said you didn't see it coming, but what did you think of the reveal? Were you satisfied? I I enjoyed it. But again, you know, I I I didn't see it coming. You know, again, putting everything aside as a horror fan, could they have done this physically? No. But, <laughs> you know, it's a horror movie. And for all intents and purposes, she's a freaking nutbag so she's got right. that crazy strength so okay so let's go with that and she's all crazy and hyped up and she's going around killing people i love it and i love when she goes absolutely crazy at the end and starts just beating the tar out of herself oh and man. oh man and the commentary you watch the you you watch uh, and listen to the commentary as well oh yes, emma roberts talking about that was fantastic um, yeah. she actually, her, her reel, which is in Hollywood, if you don't know what that is, you're, if you're an actor or actress, you, you put together what's called a reel, which is clips of your performances to send to directors and casting agents. And she requested that, that scene, she said, because she goes, how often do you get to do that? You know? And so, um, I thought it was incredible. Jackson, are you going to disappoint me, buddy? Do you no, not like the I, reveal? I, no, I I definitely was surprised by the reveal. I like it better than Scream 3's reveal and Scream 2's reveal, I think. Um, I don't think it was better set up than those two. I, I don't think there was enough leading you to that, but I really like the execution of it, and I didn't see it coming at all. Just to give you an idea, I was doing a play-by-play -play, you know, notes session like I usually do while I was watching it, and these are the notes that I had to write and then edit afterwards. Uh, I wrote, first of all, I like Sydney and Jill's relationship, and then edit. Oops. <laughs> and then down here, I like Charlie. I kind of relate to him. And then edit. Never mind. <laughs> so I have, I have two edits in my notes. Uh, I didn't see it coming at all. 
you know, I, I, I was more expecting Charlie than Jill. I kind of expected it to be Charlie and the other guy, whatever his name was from the cinema club. Yeah, Eric um, Knudsen, who played, yeah, the guy who was always streaming, yeah. Who I feel like is a Randy. He's, he's a Randy-type character. Mm-hmm. Um, and ma- maybe Charlie was a little bit too, but, but Charlie was more endearing than the other character was for me um, before he became a killer, of course. Uh, I kind of like the interactions with him and Kirby uh, when they're both sitting on the couch and he's staring at the TV and uh, and she's like, hey, and he's like, yeah, like immediately just goes, yeah, and turns all sweaty, like looking at her like he's real nervous. I, I was endeared to him. And then when he goes when he goes psycho and stabs Kirby, I was like, oh, that's good. That's a good evil twist. And I like Rory Culkin. I've liked him. In, I liked him in Lords of Chaos, which he was in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole Culkin family, pretty much whatever they're in, they're good in it. Uh, with with some exceptions, I'll, I'll say that. Um, but anyways, good. well, they're they're always good, even if the movie isn't. Right. Well, Macaulay Culkin was questionable in a few roles that he did, probably for money. Uh, but definitely, I agree that the the Culkin brothers in general are are pretty good. I I really like um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and and one of the Culkins is in that. So, um, yeah, I I like that, but. I did like the twist again, like with most Scream things. I think I think Scream One telegraphs it's it's revealed the best out of the whole series. You kind of get the hints that Billy is crazy, and if Billy is crazy, then Stu's along for the ride because how could he not be? Um, with two, it's set up in the first one, you know what the reveal was going to be, but they don't really give you a lot to work on with the second one. But when it's revealed, you're with it. With Scream 3, it's like kind of revisionist. It's like, oh yeah, and Cotton, I mean, and and, uh, and Roman was there too. And you're like, okay, I guess, I guess that works. With this one, it doesn't set it up the same way that the, that the other sequels did. But when it's executed, when Jill is crazy in crazy mode, and when Charlie's uh, going, you know, he's all frenetic, it works. You believe them, that you believe that they're crazy and that they've been working on this the whole time. Um, so yeah, I like the execution on this more than Scream 2 and 3, um, but again, it's that classic Scream thing where they're like, oh, and guess what? These guys are the killers, and now they're going to explain why. Well, but I'll challenge you on one thing. Think about this, okay? Go back to Scream 1. What was part of, you know, the red herring with Billy? That he was cut, Mm-hmm. And what happens with Jill, Emma Roberts' character, when she and Nev Campbell confront Ghostface? She gets a convenient cut. Also, Sydney's boyfriend in Scream 2 gets a convenient cut that doesn't hurt anything. So, so. yeah, they set that up. But but then again, but then again, Sydney's boyfriend wasn't a killer. That was a red herring. So you can't always rely on that. Well, they that had a- to do that in the second one because they couldn't just copy the first one. But I, they keep talking about yeah. remakes and reboots. So you see where I'm going with that? I, I yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Again, I don't think it's it's not like a murder. It's not like a Knives Out or a Murder on the Orient Orient Express, where if you pay attention cl- closely <laughs> enough and you piece the clues together, you can do it. I don't think that if you went to the theaters on on the opening day for Scream Four, I don't think that you would have been able to be like just immediately like you from the first kill be like. You know, the motive is there for these people to do it, for Jill to do it. I feel like Jill could be the killer. I, I don't think you would have pieced that together. And that's that's a flaw. But then again, uh, it convinces me. Scream is a, is a series that convinces me. Whenever the killers are revealed, you're like, okay, it makes sense now. Yeah. So 
Will it, I'll throw this out there. Kevin Williamson had a different ending in mind. And he was very frustrated by the rewrites that the Weinsteins um, insisted upon. Um, here is how Kevin Williamson's original script ended. So it's exactly the same with Rory Culkin and Emma Roberts as Jill being revealed as the killers. And Nev being stabbed and Kirby being stabbed twice. He wanted Emma Roberts to be carried out of the house, just like in this movie, into an ambulance. And she's eating up the news coverage and all the photographs. But then someone yells from the house, there's a survivor. Somebody's alive. And it ends with Jill's shocked face. Roll to credits. See, I heard the way it was ended was both of them were dying. And then you then somebody goes into the house and you hear we've got a pulse mm-hmm. and then it ends and you don't know who lives. Oh, that's how okay. I heard it was supposed to end. So I, so you heard, read something different than I did. But I mean, I like I wish that they hadn't ended at the I wish they had left on a cliffhanger. But I think too many people would have rioted. But I wouldn't have minded it. That's what the Weinsteins thought. They're like, oh, no, 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 we can't have a cliffhanger. Uh, but in Kevin Williamson's yeah, mind, what he has, said, has said that, yeah, he's just like, Kevin Williamson's mind is like, well, I know you're going to make a Scream 5 at this point, so let's go ahead and set it up. And this time, yeah. let's set it up that we know who the killer is. There was supposed to be even a different beginning, too. It was supposed to be mm-hmm. a, a, a big uh, dinner scene with Sydney, and she was supposed yes. to get stabbed. Right. So, and, 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 and yep. I don't know if that was supposed to be a pretend scene or if that was supposed to be a real scene. I assume a pretend scene. I, you know, Amy, I'm not sure. It, it, the notes I've read is that, yeah, Kevin Williamson wrote this opening where, so Sydney is, you know, she's having this party with all her friends. Mm-hmm. She's got her book, book deal and they're all celebrating. All of a sudden, Ghostface attacks kills everybody, stabs her, and then we flash forward three years later to where, you know, she's never figured out who Ghostface is. She's still a little on edge. And Bob Weinstein said, ah, that's going to kill the pace of the movie. Cut it. Yeah. And so that's so it's, it sounds like Scream has got, like, this uh, fascination with cutting things, huh? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Pun intended. So, uh, exactly. exactly. So, Jackson, what do you think? Did you like the ending, the the ending in the hospital, or you would have preferred Kevin Williamson's ending? Uh, it's hard to tell. I, th- I think the Kevin Williamson ending, if it was executed well, could have been really good. But I kind of like the ending we get in the movie. I, ju- I just really like the way that Jill's disposed of by Sydney with the clear line from Gail. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of fun. And I know that's it, you know, it's, they needed another action sequence. So it, it makes sense why they would do something like that to make a more definite ending and to put a little more, bit more action in it. Um, I kind of do like the way that they, they do it with Dewey, uh, wakes, you know, um, Jill wakes up and Dewey's by her bedside and and she's like, I'm just so sad that Sydney could make it. And he's like, well, actually. And I and then she gets up. I kind of like that. Um, I, I, I think I prefer that, actually. I think I've talked myself into preferring the ending we got. While I don't usually like studio meddling and script rewrites, 
unless the the original ending was shot really really well and tastefully and and there was actually a sense of dread and and a real cliffhanger not just a feeling of like something missing uh i i think i prefer this version that we got okay i i don't mind it personally i i don't mind the ending i i just if they had said all right we're we're literally green lighting scream five now and then i would have preferred the other ending but since this ended up being like they weren't sure if they were coming back but right. th- this ending to have the finality of it is good one thing i do want to say about the movies i do think that they this sounds so horrible they have kind of um i personally think that they need to kill off somebody big I'm really sad. It sounds like yeah. I want somebody big to die. I want one of the original cast to die. And I thought in this one, we were finally going to Dewey or Gail. I, I personally, I think that we do need Sydney. I do think that she's the anchor, but I do mm-hmm. believe that, that do, it's Dewey or Gail's time for goodness sake. I, I, you know, the, it's like they rebooted this to have a small, like a new cast, but then they killed off all the new cast. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, Kind of reboot a a, a a a movie series, but then you got rid of everybody who is new. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. You know, we talked about this with Scream through as two and three. That why didn't they? You know, because one of the things that made the original Scream so powerful is that you know Drew Barrymore was on the poster. You know, yeah. you expected yes. her to be part of the main cast, and when she dies, you're like, oh. You know, and then you immediately cut to Billy coming into Nev's, you know, room. It's like, oh, is she going to die too? And it was as, but by the time we get to Scream 4, it does feel, the only thing I'll say, I'll knock this movie, it feels a little safe. Yes. With with the main characters. Yeah. It feels a little safe. So, you know, and I have mixed feelings about them making Scream 5 without Wes and without Kevin Williamson. I know that... You know, David Arquette's coming back. Courtney Cox is coming back. Nev Campbell's coming back. But without Kevin and and Wes, uh, even without the Weinsteins interfering, I have mixed feelings. We'll see. I I, I hope for the best, but I, I don't know. I don't I know. Agree. I agree. I, I know what you mean. I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, Jackson, go. Uh, just real quick. I just, I just want to say... I feel like in Scream 5, they definitely need to either kill off Dewey and make that drive Gale to do something awesome, like really have her time to shine, or vice versa, because Dewey was kind of dopey in this movie, in my opinion. I think that if Gale would have died in that barn scene, he yeah. would have been really propelled to catch Ghostface, and, and that, that he, he would have done something cool to remind us of how cool Dewey can be. Yeah, yeah almost, I yeah. been wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 th- I think that that would have been great. I think that 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 having that motive, I feel like, like you said, it's almost that they're stagnant in the 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 original cast. And and the, I, as much as we love these characters, we understand we're walking into a horror movie that that anybody's mm-hmm. up for it. That's the whole like draw of Scream to a certain extent is that anybody can go. That's some of why Randy was such a devastating hit. And and like you said, Drew Barrymore, all these people were devastating. And to a certain extent, you know, that that we haven't had that in the last two movies is kind of sad. Yeah, I agree with that because it takes the danger away from it. I mean, mm-hmm. as fun as Scream is, 
you know, you know, we go for Kevin Williamson's dialogue, you know, the music's great, all that kind of stuff. It, it captures kind of the culture at the time. But at the same time, what made the original scream work so well is that you got the feeling 10 minutes in nobody's safe, you know? And then right. I, as much as I hated to see Randy die in scream Two, because as you said, Amy, she, he was our voice, right? It, mm-hmm. For, for, for horror fanatics like us, that was, we focused on Randy. And so when he died, but I will give, you know, the filmmakers credit. It's like, okay, you know, Drew can die. Randy can die. All right. You know, we're there, but then in Scream 3 and 4, the one thing I think is really missing, other than Kevin Williamson's writing in Scream 3, is that it doesn't feel like anybody's up for grabs. Amy, do you disagree with that? No, I, I don't. I think that they... I don't like to... I'm going to speculate, because this is what podcasters do and us movie yep. nerds do. I think that they think in Scream 3, when Cotton died, that that might have been our like big person dying right. uh, moment in Scream 3, even though, but it didn't. It, I mean, yeah, I liked Cotton. I thought Cotton was a great character. It was funny and, you know, but uh, again, you know, you, these movies, the last two, like I would say, uh, you know, we've repeated time and time again, these are are safe. And I really, it it frustrates me because you see that, like Jackson said in just one line right there is you could have propelled Dewey's character to a whole new level and had a whole new storyline. You, you know, you could have had him with the, the cop then the, the, the lemon squares, (laughs) Judy, Judy scream four, you know, in scream five, you could have had the whole storyline with them, you know, and, and he's the hurt, you know, but he still has Gail in his heart and everything. They're not even together in real life anymore. So it wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah, they're getting divorced so, during this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 use that. Use that. Use that for the for the script. Agreed. I agree. Jackson, what do you think? That I de- yeah, I definitely agree with that. They are safe. The two, I think three and four have been very safe. And exactly what you said with Cotton. I like Cotton, but we don't know enough about him to really care that much. He's in two and he's fun in two. He's, he's you know, you care a little bit about him in the beginning of three. But he's not fleshed out the same way Randy was, and there isn't that expectation the same way that there was with Drew Barrymore, because she was this big star, and she's on the she's well, I don't know how big she was when the first one came out, but she no, was an she ET was, for yeah, she was big, huge. Yeah. And 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 but then with Cotton, you're like, okay, I guess you, you you just kind of introduced him as a real character in the second one, and now you're killing him off in the first few minutes of the third one, and then with this one, yeah, there definitely should have been an original cast member. Were it my my pick, I think it would have been Gail. I think that she should have made a heroic sacrifice in that that stabathon, and given Dewey something a, like a a huge lead on who the killer was, but also propel him to stop the killers. Um, I I think that would have been a good choice because then yeah, that they're not together in real life, so I'm sure the chemistry in Scream Five is not going to be the same as it was in previous movies. So just just kill 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 Gale off. Let Dewey have his own life and make him 
like more of an awesome character because I feel like all he really does recently is say, Sydney, where are you? Sydney, stay right there. Sydney, Sydney, you know, and Sydney's doing it on her own. She doesn't need Dewey to talk to her on the phone. Yeah. And the more I think about it, Jackson, I think you have a good point. Like, and what you said, um, Amy, as well. So if we combine this, okay, I think we're rewriting the script here, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's if Gail had died in that barn, mm-hmm. but she pulled off the mask and was able to angle the camera, and we don't see it, but Dewey does. And yeah. let's, let's say it's Rory Culkin, and that's the reason Emma Roberts executes him at the end. It's like you oh, were you were yeah. discovered. You, you got sloppy. You got sloppy. And but Dewey's after him and he gets there and he thinks he's after Rory Calkin and he's dead. I think that's a great twist. That's a great twist. I I love it. I I really, I mean, (laughs) that's kind of sad that we're just spitballing here. And I feel like we've gotten a better movie. And again, (laughs) I genuinely like Scream 4. I really genuinely do. I like that, that, uh, like I said, having it come off and being the fourth movie, I was thoroughly entertained. And I really like the new characters. That's some of why I was pissed that so many of them got killed off. But um I do really like what you guys are talking about, what you guys are laying down on picking up. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Jackson, you're the future filmmaker. What do you think? I'm working on it, okay? I'm putting the script together. We're going to get a Scream 4 reboot. We're gonna, it's going to be so meta. Well, you do, have to get, you do have to get a film reel together to apply to film school. So exactly. there you go. So I guess I'm making Scream 4, and that's going to be my application to AFI. <laughs> there you go. All right. Anything else in the plot we want to discuss before we move on to talk about the cast? I, I have one thing, I, like I said, about the streamlining. That there was two, two, two little things that I couldn't, that really bothered me, was the... Again, Deputy Judy, I, I really yeah. hated, I didn't really care for her. I, and I, and I liked the actress, didn't care for her storyline. I thought it was shoehorned in just for another red herring. And I was actually kind of sad to see that she's coming back for five, but we'll see what they do with her. And I really hated that they had a moment where Sid and, and Dewey had like a moment of like, maybe they should be together instead of Gail and Dewey. Yeah, I felt that was kind of weird and I just didn't feel correct to me. I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I really felt that was shoehorned in, too. And I was like, Ew, icky. No, it, it doesn't follow Dewey's character. It, it, it doesn't. I mean, Dewey's character is he's not going to be tempted that way, even if Gail drives him crazy. He is Dewey is portrayed in, in the first three movies as he is kind of the all-American kind of rural guy. He may be goofy. He may not be that smart. But gosh darn it, he is loyal and he is brave. Yeah. And, and you can't deviate from that. I did think that was kind of an artificial kind of thing with, you know, they're trying to show maybe there's some phrase in the marriage. But all you needed... It was what you already had in Scream 1, 2, and 3. Dewey and Gail's big conflict, they they love each other, but their big conflict is Gail's ambition overrides ethics 
which Dewey can't understand because Dewey's an ethical person, right? That's the conflict. Exactly. So all you needed was Gail wanting to be a, you know, a, a top-notch gossip reporter again, and Dewey being like, Gail, come on, you know, you're better than that. And, and, and that's all you needed with a conflict. Am I wrong, Amy? No, I hundred uh, percent agree. Like I said, I felt, I felt that, it, that, that didn't th- feel genuine. I felt like it was forced yeah. and it didn't feel it. The, the whole Dewey is a sex symbol thing just didn't work for me. <laughs> no, because he's not a sex symbol. He's just a good guy. Yeah. Right? Exactly. He's, a go- he's a goofball. He's not Sherlock Holmes, but he's loyal, he's honest, and he's, we've shown, he's brave. He, you know, and, and so that's all we need. That's why we love Dewey. It's like, yeah, he's a goofball, but, you know, he's going to rush into danger. He's going to try to save Sydney. He's going to try to save Gail because he's just a good person. Yeah. And that's, that's all we need from Dewey. We don't I need agree. A, yeah, we don't need a femme fatale coming in to, you know, tempt him with lemon squares, for goodness (laughs) sakes. I mean, yeah, I I agree. We didn't need that. She was kind of shoehorned as a red herring with the, and actually on the commentary, Amy, you may remember this, the Weinstein said, you need to cut her character way down because this doesn't make sense. It's like, that's the one time I've agreed with the Weinsteins. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's not that important. I mean, you don't need that. You don't need her like in the shadows talking to Sydney about they went to high school together. Yeah, that was awful. I was so confused by that. I was like, what are they doing? She's in shadows for way too long. <laughs> that, like well, I think that's what Amy's talking to. Amy, correct me if I'm wrong. That's shoehorn and there's a red herring, right? Yes, it was ridiculous. I'm sorry <laughs> that, that that she was ridiculous, I, and and I and I also felt like they shoehorned uh, uh, Sydney's aunt in, which I would have loved to have her character. I wish that she was spread out over the last few screams, uh, but all of a sudden now Sydney's aunt is part of the part of the cast, and I loved her kill. Don't get me wrong, the oh, the yeah. mail slot was oh. uh, was was heartbreaking. Uh, but I was just, again, I felt like, where did this one come from? Yeah, where have we heard about an ant before? Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's just out of nowhere. And so <clears throat> I will say they did um, cut out a lot of stuff, not just deleted scenes, but they did cut a lot of stuff out of the script because Kevin Williamson felt like he needed to explain some of this. And mm-hmm. so some of the stuff he tried to explain was like, Dewey's limp is gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the in the screenplay, Dewey explains he's been through physical therapy for 10 years. <clears throat> so that's why the limp is gone. Um, they explain that Sydney's aunt moved back to Woodsboro after a divorce and she had been out of town, but that was her hometown and all that kind of stuff. So that stuff was cut from the screenplay. And I, I do think it creates a hole. Because you're like, where, where, where is this stuff coming from? Mm-hmm. So, all right, we get to the cast. So we have Nev Campbell back. We have David Arquette back. We have Courtney Cox back. We have Roger Jackson as the voice back. Um, what did you think of their characters this time around? Did you find them 
as likable, less likable? Did you believe their story arc? You know, um, Amy, let's go with you. <sighs> I, I was, I was mixed. Like I said, I, there were some scenes that, that kind of, uh, turned me off i thought that overall i i thought that they they're they're pros they know they these characters better than they probably know themselves and they know how to act um they they was probably like slipping on an old pair of slippers and they they totally can do it um some of the writing like i said i think that i think that maybe there was some things that were cut or not you know Mm -hmm. forced or Blah blah blah, but the, overall, I would say that they it was perfectly fine. It wasn't exceptional. It wasn't like groundbreaking, but I thought they all did fine. I thought Kirby was the standout for yeah. um, the new people, and I think that that's kind of across the board from what I can hear. You know, from all the yeah. things I've looked up, it seems like Kirby was the most liked, and of course now we've and and. We, as we listen to the commentary, Wes made it so that she might still be alive, which right. I'm just like, really, come on. <laughs> but yeah. uh, that was a big knife. Yeah. She took two. She took two strikes from a real big knife. She's a little girl with a big knife. I, I don't think she's going to be getting up from that one. No, she's five feet but, uh, tall, and she took a Bowie knife to the gut twice. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. So. Jackson, what did you think of the returning cast? What did you think of Dewey, Gale, and Sydney this time around? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like. I think Sydney feels exactly the same as she did in the other ones, which is good. There's there's lots of continuity there. I didn't feel like they were phoning it in. Maybe with the exception of Courtney Cox in a couple of places. Uh, sometimes I felt like she was kind of like, "What am I doing in this movie?" But other times she was good. I think Gale had had her moments. Um, well, give her give her credit. I mean, she was divorcing David Arquette at the time. Right, so. right. Yeah, and I understand that. Definitely, like, how, how are you going to play husband and wife in this ongoing, you know, production? That that would be kind of weird. I get that. Um, yeah, I, I do think that the returning cast is is good for the most part. I think that they all do a good job, as good as they did in the other movies. I don't think any of them have the same uh, energy or drive that they did in the first Scream uh, it just kind of feels like, well, they're they're here for another screen. But uh, of the new cast, I will say this of the new cast, Kirby, I really liked. I did like Kirby. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I liked that she's a horror fan because um, th- that's kind of filling the void again with, like, Randy. We missed Randy. I like a character to know about My Bloody Valentine, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so, and, and I like that she knows that there's a remake of My Bloody Valentine. Um, because, you know, as much as we've debated back and forth whether the 80s version or the, or the remake is better, yeah. some people don't even know there was a remake. So it's good, it's good that, that she knows that. Anyways. Well, um, they should be the, ashamed and you're wrong. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, I didn't, some of the new characters didn't grab me. I mentioned earlier the other guy from the cinema club that isn't Rory Culkin, um, who's got the, the live Eric, streaming. Eric yeah. Knudsen as Robbie. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't really connect with him, nor did really? I. Really? I liked I him. Liked, I liked his kill scene. I did like that. I like how he's well, like, I'm gay if that helps. I think that was funny. Let's but, talk about that for a second. We have to talk about that because I did list that. I missed it on my notes about the kill. When he says, you know, 
basically says, you can't kill me, I'm gay. And what I loved about that was Ghostface hesitates for a second. Yeah, yeah. And Whereas turns like, like Michael Myers. Yeah, it's even like Ghostface going, oh, wait a minute. That would make this a hate crime. You know, it was just yeah. like, I loved that hesitation that it was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. And it was like, I love that. I think that is so, you know, so of the time and so bad. I love that. I but then absolutely again, then again, that scene doesn't really make sense because if that's Rory Culkin behind the mask, he would know that his friend wasn't gay. And if it's uh, if it's Jill behind the mask, I don't know that she's she's full crazy mode. I don't know that she would have cared. So I guess if you're talking about Ghostface, well, I'm not so sure. If it was Rory Culkin's character, he just may not have thought of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did like that kill. I liked there was a savagery to it. I like the aftermath when he stumbles there up onto the savagery to it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and, and another kill we forgot to mention, we've forgotten to mention to, uh, completely, uh, uh, Jill's ex-boyfriend, who is as vanilla as he can be, the most oh, boring character. We I avoided that for a reason, son. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. And Amy, you saw the commentary. Okay. He was terrified. Of terrified. Yes, because... <laughs> You have a squib, an exploding squib, going off on your crotch. <laughs> Who would not be terrified of that? You know, you sign up for a Scream movie, you never know what you're going to get. Oh, my gosh, though. Oh, I wouldn't agree to that. I was like, you know, you're like, okay, go get, go get me three Depends, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. Get a dummy. Just do a close-up of the crotch. You don't have to have me in camera. I mean, what in the world? Oh. Oh. Yeah, no. I was going to bring that up earlier in the kills, because I think that is, that's that's an awful way to go. Uh, the the shot of the crotch and then to the head. Uh-huh. Um, but that, that said, his character was as boring as could be. I never at once felt, I never felt that he was the killer because I felt like it was too obvious, but I also didn't think he would survive because he's too boring to survive to the end of the movie. He kind of reminds me of Sydney's boyfriend from Scream 2, who is, I, I talked about this in that Scream 2 episode. He's the most boring character ever. And we, we really need somebody where, where you're like, really, Jill? Or really, Sydney? Like, you're with this guy? Seriously? We need to get him out of the picture. Um, so yeah, I um yeah I, I hated him, but I'm I he had a really cool death and kudos to the actor for taking that uh, oh. burden on because I don't think I would be brave enough. Oh, just remember that as a director, Jackson. Don't don't submit people to that. Um, the newcomers. Uh, let's start here. We've talked about Hayden Panettiere as Kirby, um, but Emma Roberts as Jill. Rewatching it today. I thought she was brilliant. I thought, especially at the end. Amy, what are your thoughts? I I like her. Um, I I've liked her. She was also in a um, Screen Queens. She uh, yep. was in a TV series called Screen Queens, and she's done a lot of horror now. She's kind of um, actually that's kind of her thing now. Uh, she did the Black Coat's Daughter. Black Coat's Daughter. Yep. Um, so uh-huh. she's done a, quite a bit now. And uh, I, I genuinely like her. I, I believed her in her quieter moments, and I believed mm-hmm. her full crazy mode. I believed both, both sides. I thought that she, she's a really good, you know, horror actress. I think that she can pull off both, like the, the I'm, you know, 
poor me to I'm going to slit your face open, yeah. you know, kind mm-hmm. of person. I really genuinely like her. I liked all the new cast. Like I said, just, just Henny, you know, Hayden Penitentiary has been acting since diapers. Yes. So I think that she, you know, truly can just, she knew what she was doing from get go. I think a lot of these other people were just like the boyfriend was newer to acting. I don't think anybody did a bad job. I just, some people had more acting skills than others. Uh, yeah, I agree. And of course, Emma Roberts is the niece of Julia Roberts and Eric Roberts. And so Jackson, what did you think of Emma Roberts as Jill? She did. She did a great job. I, I really did feel for Jill. Um, and in the scene, I gotta, I gotta say the ending, the reason that I like the ending we got is probably a lot due to her and her character. I absolutely love the last couple shots of the movie where we have the reporters outside saying, and they're like, oh, Jill, an American hero. And then it cuts to the sideways shot of her, you know, dead on the floor. I thought that was a really good, and, and she, she is good as a relatable character and then as a killer. Uh, like I said, I said, I wrote in my notes, I like Sydney and Jill's relationship and those quiet moments where uh, Sydney was like, you know how people say that they, they know how you feel when they really don't? Well, I know how you feel. I was like, oh, that's a nice moment. And then later on, you, you realize that Jill wasn't listening. She was plotting in her head her next murder. <laughs> she was not listening to Sydney. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it works in that way. And I'm definitely interested to rewatch this movie, knowing that Jill is a killer. Um, I think that would be fun to rewatch it and, and kind of see it from that angle. Because I, I, like I said, I didn't get any hints that she was, she had any malice in her heart until the end. But, um, yeah, she, she does, she does a good job in this. She does a good job in everything I've seen her in. Um, she's, she's an up up and coming horror actor. I would say her and Samara Weaving are probably the new scream queens from this generation. They're the Jamie Lee Curtis of this generation, uh, I would say. So it's just, it's really fun to see her career take off. Yeah, absolutely. I, and yeah, the black coat's daughter, I can't say enough about, and, and she's fantastic in, in that. But, um, so we've talked about Hayden Panettera as Kirby. We've talked about her. We all love her. And I know Jackson, you especially love that, you know, well, both of you probably know that she's a horror fan, her character, but, and listening to the commentary, Amy, it kind of sounded like in real life, Emma Roberts is not a horror fan, but, um, she's a scaredy cat, but Hayden Panettera sounded like she actually is from the commentary. Did you pick that up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I, I I was really surprised that Emma Roberts wasn't into horror because, like I said, her career is kind of built on horror. Now I wonder if she's kind of changed her mind since she's been you know grown up a little bit and now into to scream. I would like to think that, especially since you you know she's done so much. Um, but yeah, I did get that from the the commentary that Hayden seemed to know a little bit and like a little bit more horror than Emma did. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so what did you think of Kirby Jackson? Just a yeah, I thought overall. I know I only talked about her uh, as being a horror fan, but I did. I did like her, and I did like um, her limited interactions with Sydney as well. But I also thought that that was a really dramatic scene when she's not sure if she's going to let Charlie in or not. He's got blood on his hands. He looks kind of suspicious. Oh yeah. But she doesn't know if she can trust him a hundred percent. But it also pains her because he seems like a nice guy to her. 
Um, of course, it's probably a good thing he didn't let her in. Uh, she didn't let him in. Yeah. But then again, she does make a stupid decision earlier. I mean, later. But anyways, she was she was good. I, I like knowing that she's a horror fan in real life because that always makes for a good performance in a horror movie when the people actually like horror movies, um, when there's actual passion from the from the actors. Um but, uh, you know, I, I kind of I kind of wish that out of any of the new cast, she would have survived because that would have been interesting. She could have been the Randy. Well, of, as of Amy Five. said, there's kind of a hint that maybe she did. I don't think that's huh? realistic. <laughs> that would have been the most supernatural thing I, to happen I in the whole series. I agree that a, that, a, that a five foot person who takes a buoy knife to the stomach twice is probably not going to survive in real life. But who knows? Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. It's movie logic. Um, but yeah, I wish that maybe she should have just gotten like a flesh wound. Uh, I don't know. But but um, for what we got of her on screen, she did a good job. Yeah. So we've talked about Rory Culkin and Eric Knudsen. I liked Eric Knudsen a little bit better than you did, Jackson, as Robbie. But I thought Rory Culkin showed, uh, I thought he was amazing in this, especially at the end. And one of the great things on the Blu-ray is when they show the rap after they've shot the last shot, Rory Culkin is drinking champagne with Wes Craven in full makeup. He's just covered in blood <laughs> and he's drinking champagne with, with Wes Craven. It's fantastic. But, and you've already mentioned this, Jackson. I mean, Rory Culkin's gone on to do a lot of great stuff. He's an amazing actor. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. That, like we said earlier, that whole family's got some kind of talent in their blood, some kind of talent gene. Yeah, what did you think of Rory Culkin, Amy? Uh, I genuinely liked him. I wish that they had just, ha instead of having two uh, of the movie film guys, I wish it, it would have just been him, to be honest with you. I think that he mm. could have been perfectly fine having just the one. I understand the 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 you know, talking back and forth and battering things around and having that again, another red herring. I think there was too many red herrings to be perfectly honest for this movie, yeah. but um, I think that he's a strong enough actor that they could have just had him. Um, I love in the commentary. This was something that I learned that during the scene when Jill is going to uh, uh, do the flesh wound to him, yeah. he's on 24 Red Bulls apparently. And yes. that's why he's, <laughs> grossly white and hyped up and free he literally is like caffeinated high Wes Craven said he was worried about him because he's yeah. like all hyped up on Red Bulls and that's why he looks the way he does because he actually did look like freaked out and I guess he was having a physical reaction to all the Red Bulls he was drinking that day yes, yes. but um I and and you know again I I even though I didn't see it coming, I believed him and Jill being psychos. I that yep. turn wasn't like I wasn't like ah no way. I when they went to psycho mode, I believe psycho mode on them. Yep, I I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So, you know, anything anyone else from the cast we want to uh, mention? I think we've covered a lot of people here. Jackson, anyone else we want yeah. to cover here? Uh, just somebody that I don't think we talked enough about. Roger Jackson as a voice. I think he has the best lines in this as Ghostface and some of the best, like, voice acting bits. I absolutely love, and though the, the opening wasn't my favorite, I love the the uh, part when he's talking to, uh, what was her name? Not Marnie. Jenny was the other one in the in the opening, right, that, that Ghostface was talking to? I, yeah, that I sounds great. 
It does, I'm not, I can't remember for it, but that's, yeah, I think I it was Marnie and Jenny, but I'm not. Well, I, I thought that that was some of the best writing Ghostface has ever had. I really like the way that he, that he talked, that he, I, I like the part he's like, you got a nice little part here. I, I, I don't know. Something about that, I was like, oh, it's, it's classic Ghostface back again. It's not Roman Ghostface, which is kind right. of a bummer, but uh, he, he's great. Um, and I love the fact that they got him for all four movies. You know, at some point they probably could have substituted him out for some random guy with kind of a creepy voice, but it's become iconic. You know, his voice is just as iconic as Freddy's voice. Um, so I'm glad that they got got him back again. But it's surprising to me that most people probably don't even know what he looks like. They probably don't even know his name, but they they definitely know what's your favorite scary movie. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Um, and so he is signed on for Scream 5, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, he is 62 years old. He is signed on for Scream 5, so that'll be cool. But one last thing on the cast before we move on and talk about what else, whatever else we want to talk about before we do our ratings and recommendations. Did you expect, Amy, I'll start with you, Patrick Dempsey to be back, McDreamy to be back? No. Okay. No, I thought that with this, I, no, I really didn't. I thought that uh, that this was, a, again, a, a, a start over, like uh, reset. Mm -hmm. And right. so I thought that, the, the, that it really was just going to be the bare minimum beginning cast and that that i thought that that was that they were going to focus more on a younger up-and-coming cast and and uh they did to a certain extent but then they like i said they got rid of them which was what i was surprised about yeah yeah me too jackson what about you did you think mcdreamy was coming back such a weird walk i don't know why they get i don't i don't think they should have i didn't expect it but i don't know why they got him back for this movie such a weird like walk-on role for him uh i if mean he i would have been back you mean you it would have been a weird thing yeah i'm pat mcdreamy we're still talking about mcdreamy yeah if he would have been back you think that would have been weird yeah i guess so i mean listen listen they brought back dewey gale they, what am I talking about right now? I've completely lost my notes. All right. Okay, uh, <laughs> they, brought, they brought back Dewey and Gail, and they brought back Sydney. And Sydney. Right? And Roger Jackson as the voice. But there was a lot of speculation when they were making this. I because was he survived, right? Right, because yeah. he survived Scream 3. They thought Patrick Dempsey would be back. They speculated about this romance between Sydney and McDreamy. And, this is gross. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's random, but okay. Um, I don't see a problem with it, but hey. Uh, so, but you, you just, you didn't care. But yeah, I, I, well, you don't like McDreamy's character either. I, I, you, you have well, a problem I with. Uh, well, no, that yes and no. I don't have a problem with his character. I have a problem that with, when I was watching it, my wife was, was right. Okay. <laughs> So that was my problem. But other than that, I don't have a problem with him or his character. See, my thing was, I thought for sure he was in this movie in a walk-on role. I thought he was a doctor, and that was a reference to his show, Grey's nope. Anatomy. No, he was not. <laughs> you only see his head from the back, and I thought, man, he has aged awfully. But, uh, okay. <laughs> no, he's, he doesn't make a cameo. He was actually filming another movie at the time. Oh, great. At least he's getting work. Uh, okay, well... <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm glad they're not bringing him back for Scream Five. They shouldn't have brought him back. I don't. That that was a part I didn't like about Scream Three, and I did like Scream Three just as much as Scream Two, if not a little bit better in some respects. But definitely, I I don't think that that we needed him as a red herring, and I definitely don't think we needed him as a romantic interest for Sid. Well, I didn't think he would be a red herring. I thought they would bring him back to be cannon fodder. I thought sure. he would be. I thought he would die early. I just uh, meant in Scream 3 how he's got this file. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Scream 4. If they had brought him back in Scream 4, I thought he would have had like one day's work and he would have died early. Mm-hmm. Uh, when which, the scuttle- which, may have, which may have been a more satisfying death than Cotton's because, you know, you know, whatever. Nobody, I don't think anybody is like, oh, man, my favorite Scream character is definitely uh, Patrick Dempsey from Scream 3. It's Detective <laughs> Mark Kindleberger <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you out there you know that there's somebody out there damn it where is he oh there's, my, yeah my there's wife, somebody writing fan fictions about it my wife has not seen scream 4 and if she did she'd be like where's patrick dempsey i know because it's Scream three that's all she wanted to see so um just putting that out there so all right that's the cast um technically um i thought this was incredibly well shot and edited Peter Deming shot this. Um, he shot a lot of stuff for Wes Craven, also for David Lynch. He shot Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell. I thought this, the movie looked great. Um, Amy, did, what did you think? I thought that it was it was different enough uh, cinematography lighting that um, it still felt like Scream, but uh, um, I wouldn't say necessarily better, but different. And I still, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. The, the whole coloring and, and like I said, the lighting was, was really well done. It was much more of mood lighting in this one for sure than, than in the other screams. Um, but I, again, you know, that I liked that they didn't just try and revamp the same old, uh, sets and shots and stuff since this was supposed to be a new beginning yeah so so it did have kind of a even subconsciously a different feel even though it still felt like scream it Mm -hmm. still was subconsciously you're kind of like "Mm, this is a little bit different shot yeah and of course there's also a different locale right because they've shot all four scream movies in different locations so scream one is shot in northern california Scream 2 is shot in Georgia, Scream 3 is shot in L.A., and Scream 4 is shot in Michigan. Um, So they're all over the place. But, Jackson, you're the aspiring filmmaker here. What did you think of the technical aspects here? I like the movement of the camera as far as cinematography goes. I do like the angles and the movement of the camera, um, especially in that scene in the parking garage. I thought that was shot very well. Um, there, there are times when I think it suffers from that early 2010, like over, it's overexposed a little bit and it kind of looks a little washed out and a little too clean. Um, I much more prefer the look of that, like kind of like grainy film, but, uh, and there were a couple of points where I was like, this looks really good. I think as the movie goes on, the cinematography gets better. It gets more to my liking. And I guess that's because it takes place during the night. I don't really like that kind of overexposed, dreamy kind of look that Woodsboro has in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I really do like the movement. I like the way that it's shot. It kind of reminds me of Halloween 2018, just visually. I'm not sure why exactly, but it kind of reminds me of that. Um, 
So yeah, technically, I know you want it, you're probably going to get into this later, but the editing was was good. It was it was there was never any yep. point where it was noticeable. And then the score. I know you're going to want to touch on this. Uh, yep. The score, you know, the parts that return good. The new things are are good. My favorite uh, score piece from any screen movie is Trouble in Woodsboro, which is like that signature kind of uh, industrial sound. And they bring that back. It's slightly remixed. I like that. Didn't really care for it. There's there's one part where at the very beginning it cuts to like a, a Woodsboro uh, kind of establishing shot and there's some pop music playing or, or something like that. And I was like, oh man, what's this? But for the most part, the 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 score itself is good. All right. So, Amy, what do you think? Uh, actually, Jackson, I run to that score. <laughs> I run hey. to that. It's the sound. <laughs> There They're actually that. really good band to, to run to. So when I'm at the gym, I'm running to the sounds. So that, that that's a that's a good that's a good exercise song. Just just putting that out there. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I hate to say this about Scream as as much of I want to leap praise on the Scream franchise. I think that the score is one of the weakest parts of the Scream franchise because oh, like agree. you guys have this you know you guys have touched on there's not really anything that you can when you hear for you know friday 13th or halloween or or you 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 hear the music in your head uh you don't really would scream. i mean you hear it you hear that one like droney song that sounds like chris isaac but <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it's not it there's not like a ghost face uh theme song which you know, so what? It, it's it. There's plenty of things that it does right. If it doesn't do the score a hundred percent, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I can't argue with you, Amy. It's not as much as I love the Scream series. Yeah, I doubt you could find somebody, the average horror fan on the street, if you played them Halloween, they would know exactly what you were, you know, what they were listening to. If you played, you know. Um, Friday 13th, uh, you know, they would know exactly what you were talking about. If you played a track from Scream, they probably wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the song that Jackson hates, which is Red Right Hand. I don't um, hate that song. <laughs> I never said that. I said that in Scream 3, it was the seventh time they had played it in a Scream movie, and I was getting kind of tired of it. Okay, but still, <laughs> it's probably the... Probably the closest thing, Todd. Yeah, yeah, Red, yeah. I would definitely say that. That is the closest thing that they have. Um, you know, I had a I had a friend recently say that Scream is a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you also don't really have a Leatherface theme. But then I thought, like, yeah, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre does have a, a sound effect that's very iconic, which is that camera shutter sound right. um, that you hear in the opening. I don't even really think that Scream has that in the sound department. There's no thing that you hear when you think of Scream other than maybe Red Right Hand, which wasn't in this movie as much as I did. I don't think I noticed it. So maybe my prayers were answered. They took a break from it for a while. Uh, <laughs> but but I'm, but um, yeah, there's not. So as far as the sound design or the, the score goes, there isn't something that I could repeat to you and be like, oh, yeah, that's Scream. But when you're watching the movie, it's not distracting. You never feel like the score is absent. It just isn't iconic. Right. Exactly. Yep, that's that's fair enough. I can't argue with that. So, all right. What else do we want to talk about before we rate, do our ratings and recommendations on this sucker? Um, Amy, anything else you want to mention? Actually, I just wanted to ask you guys on Scream 5, 
do you think that they are going to do a slaughter of the original cast? Ooh, Jackson, what's your opinion? I sure hope they do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there will be riots, sure. They did the same thing with those Star Wars movies whenever they killed off the original cast. Um, but, I mean, I think it's time for somebody to die. Maybe Gale, maybe Dewey, somebody. Um, I don't think they should kill off Sydney. Amy, you said this earlier. I think she is definitely the backbone of the franchise. She is, she is the... She's the only thing that really like feels the same, totally the same from movie to movie. Um, so you can't kill off Sydney. And if you do it, maybe maybe kill off Sydney at the end, and then that's the end of the franchise because I can't see it continuing without her. Um, but I do think it's time for somebody major to die. But I want their death not to feel cheap. I want it to mean something. You know what I mean? I don't want them j- to just die to be like, ooh, look, they died. I want it to serve the plot as well and really propel everything along and make it feel horrifying rather than just, like, frustrating. Yeah, I... I he, real, if I were approaching this as an artist, as a writer or director, like you want to be Jackson, I would say that they're going to kill off one, two, maybe all of them. But what you have to keep in mind is from a business model, um, this is a new company because Dimension's gone bye-bye because, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein is uh, deservedly in jail and Bob Weinstein is is hiding out somewhere. Um and so Dimension's gone. Somebody has bought the Scream franchise just like they bought the Hellraiser franchise and Halloween franchise from them. And I can't imagine they bought the franchise for just one movie, which makes me think at least Sydney's going to survive. Yeah. I think I think maybe Gale, maybe Dewey, uh, maybe both. But I do think Sydney will probably survive. Right. And we felt the same way when when Blumhouse and Universal did Halloween again. Mm-hmm. We were, I didn't expect I was I was I, I didn't go in thinking, oh, here we go. Laurie Strode's going to die or Michael Myers is going to die. I knew they were going to want to do a sequel, especially because it was guaranteed to do well, pretty much. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Scream 5 will do well if it's in theaters properly like at a time where people will actually go to the theaters um i think it will do well and there will be a sequel um and i don't think they'll kill off sydney if they do though and if uh, this is a long shot like i said i think it'll be at the end of the movie and maybe they'll do a spinoff or something from that but um yeah realistically it's probably going to be gail or dewey yeah so amy what do you think who's going to survive in the next one all three of them one of them none of them what do you think well um, I think that Dewey and Gail are gonna are gonna go. I do, Jackson. I I want to commend you on saying again. Like I really appreciate you saying. I hope that it does service the plot and it's not just for shock value or just to, just to be like, oh, look at what we're doing. We're so extreme now, you know, kind of thing. I hope mm-hmm. that it's to move the plot. Sydney, I, I know that uh, Nev Campbell. They had a really hard time getting her for this one. Yeah, I I think she might be like ready to pack it in. So I think it is a big possibility that towards the end that mm-hmm. she might might pass the mantle on to. I I think absolutely that they're going to keep going with these, and I, I, almost to the point now that now that they're I'm sure that Scream is for a young audience. Scream has always been about the now, yeah. what's happening right now. And to the point that I don't know if people are, you know, the younger generation really gives a, you know, what about 
Sydney and Dewey and Gail. And I think that there's a very good possibility and rightfully so that they are going to get rid of them this this movie and continue on with a newer cast. That's what I thought really was going to happen with Scream 4, to be honest with you. So mm-hmm. enough time has passed. Things have changed hands and companies. And I'm very excited about, um, is it radio? What it? The people who are, are directing this, the people who did Ready or yeah. Not is directing. So Correct. I can't, yeah. Radio Correct. Silence. Yeah. Radio Silence yeah. is going to direct this. I really think that it's in confident hands. I think that they'll respect the material, but and not just shove it through. I do think that they're going to go. I do think that they're going to go this hmm. time. That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the fact that Nev had... Yeah, Nev Campbell had, you know, kind of fought against it. The, the early reports I had was she wasn't interested in it because Wes wasn't alive, and she loved Wes right. Craven. Uh, yeah. Which all of it, it, we have to say R.I.P. Because the entire, I have never heard a negative word about Wes Craven. I mean, no. every single person has worked with him has just talked about what a just a prince of a person he was. What just a wonderful human being. Um, that he was and the fact that he kept his brain cancer secret because he didn't want the attention because he was an introvert and all that other kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, it's such a loss. So, yeah, Amy, you may be right. Nev Campbell may have given them no other choice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll do this, but and you're going to dedicate this to Wes Craven and we're going to do this and we're going to end it. And maybe that's where she's at. So that's yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. So, all right, let's rate and recommend this sucker. I am interested in this, especially you, Jackson, because you've been kind of back and forth here. So I I can't wait to hear what you're going to say here. Jackson, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your rating and what is your recommendation with Scream 4? Now, keep in mind. <laughs> this <is> my, <laughs> oh, boy. This is my first time watch. It may, okay, remember, not- I'm Christmas shopping for you right now, but go. Don't let that. <laughs> don't let that affect your decision. Go ahead. <laughs> um, if, and and again, this isn't. This isn't. It's not going to be as low as you think it is. But compared to to the first three Scream movies, remember, I've been I've been like, oh, Scream three, you know, Scream two. They had serious flaws. Uh, that said, eight point five to nine out of ten. You know, but. With this one, I'm going a bit lower. I'm gonna say seven to a seven point five out of ten. Um, I think it's well, that's a, not it, bad for you because you you typically rate pretty low anyway, so that's not I, bad. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's the weakest of the franchise for me upon first viewing. Um, uh, I think it's stronger than three, but go ahead. Well, you know that I like three as much as two, so. Um, but this I think yeah, it's, it's you're as, wrong there, but go ahead. <laughs> I think, and, and Haddonfield Hatchet agrees with me. So we, I mean, it's two on two. I know, but he also hates Strangers Pray at Night. But go ahead. Ah, oh, come on. Really, Sean? Seriously? He, he hates it. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Oh, man. Okay, well, I guess it's, I guess I'm alone on this one. Uh, okay, seven, seven to 7.5 out of 10. And I will be rewatching this for sure. Um, it, you can stream it on Amazon through IMDb TV. I'd recommend you do it, especially if you if you like slasher movies and Scream and you haven't seen it yet. And it's um, on Tubi, and yeah, it's it's right. available right now. Yeah. So it's it's very available if you want to watch it, uh, and it, it it's a good it's a good use of your time. It's not that long. It's it's not like the longest of the Scream franchise, no. isn't it? Like the shortest actually, or one of the shortest. Scream, Scream three was the longest, I believe. No, Scream two was the longest. But yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's not that long. Um, it's not two hours. So 
if you're looking for something to fill just just um, your your afternoon with, I think Scream 4 is going to be a safe bet. Um, as far as slashers go, it's really good. But as far as Scream movies go, it's it's just it's just good to okay. Um, so seven out of ten uh, for me. I, I would say definitely you should rent it or stream it. Um, and again, this is by Scream standards. We're talking about Scream. Holy crap, Scream! You know. I hear you. Yeah. The original is a 10 out of 10 for me, so I understand the comparison. I understand. I understand. All right. So do you? So you you say it's a 7 out of 10, or and you're saying it's definite stream, though. You're saying people should check it out. Oh, yeah. It's a must. I, I mean, even with uh, – there are certain movies which I'll say, okay, this is, this is not my thing, but it's mandatory that you see it if you're a horror fan to establish your own opinion. Don't take my opinion. Like when like, we covered Maniac. It wasn't your cup of tea, but you need yeah, to see it. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, those, those kinds of movies that you need to see, and even though they're not my thing – uh, I think that you will probably have a different opinion because I'm in the minority. But um, I know a lot of people like this one more than three, sometimes even more than two, but this is the weakest for me. Anyways, again, it's Scream. Holy crap, Scream! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a great franchise. So, Amy, where do you come in on a scale one to ten? Oh, I'm actually going to be about Jackson. It's going to be seven, okay. seven point five. And, and uh, it's my set it goes one four two three so that's showing okay. you you know i i do you know scream is 10 but i yeah. still think that uh, you know considering how much it's 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 a watch you gotta watch it i think that you gotta we have the blu-rays me and you yeah. and the, it is so worth the investment just for the commentary. I I'm not agree. even talking about the deleted scenes or the behind the scenes stuff. The commentaries, Wes Craven is so good on these. And uh, so oh. I, I implore anybody who's a horror fan, please go get these, get the set, do yourself a favor, sit down and, and listen to the commentaries. It is worth every single penny for those. I agree. I'm right there with you. I'm I'm at a probably about a 7.5. I think the first time I rated this, it was like a 6.5, but I've come up on it on watching it twice in the last two days. There are a couple of the scenes that I just absolutely love. I love the ending. I love the beginning. I love Anthony Anderson's death. I love Allison Brie being thrown off the, you know, the parking garage during the press conference. I think that is all great. I definitely call this a buy. I own it. Um, but there's no reason for people not to check it out because you can get a free subscription on Tubi, IMDb TV, and if you have Amazon Prime, it's all up there. So anybody can watch this right now. I do think it's underrated. I walked out of it the first time, not that impressed. I have become more and more impressed. But listening today to the commentary, I so miss Wes Craven. I mean, ugh. it's just it, it, here's the thing, folks, you know, for everybody who thinks that we horror movie fanatics are freaks, um, you cannot find anybody to say a bad word about Wes Craven or George Romero or, you know, or Toby Hooper. All we've lost in the last 10 years. And yet every single person who's worked with him is like wonderful human beings, wonderful human beings, sweet as could be. So, uh, 
uh, it's it was a heavy heart when I listened to his commentary today because I miss him so much. But well, folks, we hope you're having a great and safe Halloween season. Uh, you can help us keep the lights on by becoming a Patreon supporter for as little as $2.50 a month, uh, although there are different levels, and you'll have access to bonus episodes and help choose what we cover and even beyond the podcast. You can find more than 60 episodes online at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com or wherever you get podcasts, and you can find us on Twitter at Father and Son Horror, and we have a closed Facebook group. Amy, where can they find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Swan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty much it right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and do become a Patreon. It is very worth it. It, it, it. You're helping out, like they say, a young filmmaker every week. It is their 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 extra tracks and the 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 back and forth online on the Patreon is worth every single penny. Please, please, please. I can't implore you guys out there enough to to come online and and talk to me. And talk to them and listen to the extra stuff. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Amy. That's so sweet. And, and, uh, Jackson, I know you're under a lot of pressure right now because you have to figure out how to film movies for your resume to, for film school in the middle of COVID. Um, Oh man, but where can they it's find more, you online, buddy? It's looking more and more like I'm going to have to go a host, you know, host shutter route <laughs> You're have to do a at Zoom, this point. Yeah. Uh, because that's the only way. They expect me to have a 10-minute a short and then another 10-minute short on a topic they've chosen. And I'm like, I'm just going to be lucky if I can get one other person to be on screen with me for a minute. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, but I've got several scripts written. I'm I'm trying to make this a, a reality um, because all these back and forth that I have with people online, they're like, you should make this movie. You should make this movie. I'm like, you know, that's a good idea. Let's work on it together. So I'm trying to get into film school and make that happen. Um, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore hero 12. I've got a letterbox too. Um, I, I devoted myself to seeing two horror movies a day uh, for the month of October. So if you want to check out those reviews, you can see that on my letterbox. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel also for Father and Son Watch Horror Movies, uh, which I've, I'm going to be posting during the month of November. I'm going to be posting videos that will be releasing a week early on Patreon. Uh, so if you want to check that out, you can always do that. But um, yeah, eternally grateful for all of our podcasting friends. Retro Movie Geek Spook- Spooky Flicks Fest just uh, released another episode of their of their yep. uh, hol- their Halloween werewolf coverage. And this newest one has guest reviews by Greg Amortis and Jay of the Dead. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. That's one of my favorite podcasts. And we were on the last bon- bonus episode. Yep. Yes. You and I were. Yeah. And- Yep, and you were on Land of the Creeps mm-hmm. uh, this past week. Uh, you had a call in where Dave, Dr. Shock Becker, called you the future of horror. I was, listen, I listened to that thing over and over and over again. I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, don't. Okay, say it again. <laughs> and then I would rewind it <laughs> a minute. Uh, yeah, those guys, are, those guys are awesome. Go support our, our podcast friends, because that, that's what's most important right now is community. Absolutely, in this time. And so, yeah, I'm on Twitter as Pastor Matt R, and I'm also on Letterboxd for that as well. Um, Thanks for listening. Tune back in next week as we kick off the Thanksgiving season by turning to family. Dysfunctional horror families, but turning to family. (laughs) And we're kicking off November 
with our discussion of The Stepfather from 1987 with returning guest Gilman Joel from H&P and yes. retro movie geek. And he can't wait to talk about The Stepfather. And unlike The Hills Have Eyes, we will actually talk about the movie this time because I <laughs> promise not to accidentally delete my notes five seconds before we go on air, which is what happened last time. I went to hit save, somehow hit delete, and I had no notes and so I'd like to blame Gilman Joel for that episode because he's always all over the place and admittedly ADD, but I had no notes. And so I was just flying off the top of my head. This time I will save them, print them off, have them in front of me to make sure we actually cover the stepfather from 1987. So, all right, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye. And remember to show up for Scream 5, now delayed to October of 2077. No joke. Ugh. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, Amy, for being on. Thanks to our Patreons. We'll see you next time. And remember, the family that watches horror together slays together. See you next time.